Breaking the cycle to step forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hello, welcome to Breaking the Cycle Two Step Forward podcast. And this episode is number 36. My name's Beverly Ann, and I'm joined with Chris Tuck. Hi, everyone. What are we speaking today about? We're speaking about the power of fear. Ooh, okay. And fear is a subject that we have touched on when we've been speaking about different areas, because let's be honest, fear is integral when we're being kept safe in our bodies. So I think the first place to start would be, you know, what actually, how do we learn about fear? Okay. And you need to probably recap about fear and keeping us safe in our bodies. I don't know if everybody actually understands that. So we need to pick that apart as well. Very interesting, of course. And that's what we love about these conversations, because we want to make sure that everybody is clear and everyone has different understandings. So if we start back from childhood, um, you know, even when we're being born, it's a reptilian part of our brain that is first formed whilst we're in the womb. And it's there that we can actually start to feel the effects of fear at some times. So if there's a lot of stress around um, the mother, and it is the mother at that, that time, if there's a lot of stress around her and fear, the body will be releasing adrenaline and will be activating cortisol through, yeah. throughout the body. And that's what the baby is automatically receiving. And with the reptilian part of the brain, it will be sensing some sort of danger. So that's, wow. as, that's how early it can yeah. start. And we, we, don't, we don't actually realise that, do we? But maybe that's where some of our fears come from as well from what was happening to our mothers yes absolutely and I know that when I first found this out I know as a parent and who's gone through pregnancy at first it made me feel a sense of guilt you know how was I during my pregnancy was I as calm as could be what did I what what feelings did I you know give to my children while they're in the womb. So I want anybody listening to understand that unless we have this knowledge, we don't know how to break the cycle. That's exactly why we do what we do. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I know I was a complete and utter stress head throughout both my pregnancies. Um, yeah, but as you said, we can't blame ourselves because we didn't know any different and when you've got that education, you can do different and you can be different. But until you have that education, then you can't. No, we don't know what we don't know. And I think that's yeah. important to acknowledge, first of all. So that's the first time we start to become aware of fear. Now, in an ideal situation, when anybody is born, they're born into a loving, nurturing environment and that all the caregivers around them be it their 
birth parents, be it an extended family, be it um, somebody who's looking after the child, has their best interests and, and provides that lovely, warm surrounding. Unfortunately, as we know, that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. And as we know, in any kind of environment, even when it's not necessarily happening to a child, no matter how young, when they're in the environment that doesn't feel safe, they learn to adapt and they learn their fear recognition and and, um, I'm going to say emotion or reaction becomes innate. So... What does that actually mean, innate? So, for instance, if they're born into an environment where there's lots of arguing, potential violence, Mm -hmm. they will learn to respond in a way that works for them. So the fight, the flight, or the um, flop, freeze. Freeze, friend. Friend, yes. So we're just going back to the real basics here about how we're learning about fear and the response. So do you mean that we almost find safety in our response, which is fear? Absolutely. It's the fear that we learn that what happens, the message we get is something's happening, I'm scared. Okay, the body will react to keep us safe so when Mm -hmm. I say the body is brilliant at keeping us safe it will react in a way to keep us safe as we've talked about in the past about triggers and it's from there we get that message when we're in an environment that's similar to that at another time it will be the fear that kicks in what's going to happen next and because it's had the evidence that last time I was in this environment it, was, it started off like this, but this was the outcome. Maybe somebody got hit or the argument became so bad. So this is the messaging that we learn with fear. That's just so giving one example. How do we learn, though, that fear is safety? Well, we don't do that intentionally. Right. So what happens there? What happens? That's our vagus nerve. So what happens? It's absorbed that messaging and that message could be through bullying it could be through lots of different reasons as we've said it feels unsafe okay so then it means that when we're starting to venture out in different experiences as we get older as as we move away really from our caregivers particularly um, we start school some people will find that going into a new environment, well, hold on, I don't like this, the fear, the message that's happening in the body is the fear will ignite and it will restrict them from moving outside of their comfort zone. Okay, I'm still not getting, how does fear become our safety net? Right, so the alarm gets, the actual link so I want to make sure that I get it so that everybody listening gets it absolutely so the alarm is being triggered so take that example that we were looking at about a young person going to a new school 
okay they're not feeling confident it's the fear that is rising in them the vagus nerve is saying whoa i feel uncomfortable um, yeah. i don't feel safe this is something i don't know and because yeah. i don't know it i know what it's like when i'm in this other environment it may be horrible but this is my normal i'm now going into a new environment i don't know how to react and actually this is more scary so even if they walk into a classroom and the teacher's smiling and everybody around them is friendly their fear is keeping them back because it's like i don't know how to react i don't know how they're going to react can you see the messaging that's coming up so potentially your fear can keep you stuck so even if you want to enjoy new experiences, even if you want to grow, you can't go there because your brain and your body just won't allow you to because it knows this and it doesn't know that. And so in order to keep you safe from that, even if it's a good experience, it keeps you here. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I think I can sort of like relay that to my mum and what she used to say when she was in that domestic violence relationship, even though it was tumultuous and toxic for her when I offered to get her a flat and get her away from that environment to a new environment where she she could potentially be happy she could potentially be in contact with her kids and stuff she it was almost like better the devil she knew than the devil she didn't yes so it's it, exactly that isn't it it is it's the fear it's the yeah. fear yeah now when we have a little bit of fear, that's good. That's what keeps yes. us safe. Yeah. And it's like anything in balance. That's what keeps us safe. It's like a bit of adrenaline. That's good. That's what, why we get up in the morning. That's the additional energy we have to go and exercise. That's good. But when it becomes all the time, it then actually does the opposite. It doesn't protect us. What it tends to do is it isolates us. It can literally cripple you, can't it? And in those words, literally cripple you. Yeah. So as we've spoken about in another podcast, when we talked about chronic fatigue and chronic pain mm -hmm. with Dr. Howard Schubiner, that is the fear that is generating that pain. It's like sometimes people will get a chronic pain in their knees because they're, they're making their way to work or school and they don't actually want to go there. Mm, yeah the brain is so like um powerful isn't it absolutely absolutely yeah. and and this is where when we are thinking about recovery and we're thinking about going to therapy etc we're in fear of looking back because we don't want to experience the emotions that we shut off at that time from anything previously that's happened. And what I teach on my course as well, which you've been to, Bev, the eight-week course, is um, the anatomical alignment. And this is exactly what we've been talking about. When we are babies and children, we literally are in that fetal position within the womb because it's safe, it's loving it's caring you're nurtured you know you're you're very safe so you're tucked up all nice and tight and when you come out you're birthed you grow up toddler um 
you learn to, don't you, um, go into the world and grow and touch and not be um, scared of anything. And if you are hurt in any way, you'll go running back to your caregiver who will hopefully give you a hug or reassure you that everything's okay. And then that is almost like um, saying, yes, everything will be okay. So then you go off and you explore again. However, if you hurt yourself and then you come back to your caregivers who then hurt you again, there's no safety there. And so it's almost like you're going to that curl up beetle position to protect yourself. Over time, as you go into adulthood, you don't adopt the actual fetal position, but the brain and the body subconsciously will go into eyes down, for example. You can't look mm -hmm. anybody in the eye. It will go into hunched, rounded shoulders, which will then impact lower backs, um, hips, knees, and ankles. So the way that we hold ourselves in everyday life, the way that our posture is, it tells people um, if we are... Uh, if we feel safe within ourselves and whether we are good with the world or actually are we vulnerable and can they take advantage of that the way that we do hold ourselves in our posture even as we walk down the street oh, so we teach all of that absolutely so the fear you see that because we are trying to get into that yeah that fetal position you know Protection. shoulders down head down yeah. I don't want to be seen I I want to be invisible and yeah. have you ever walked past someone and said you know good morning or good afternoon and then thought oh you've ignored me well actually yes. it's not that they're ignoring you it's no. just that oh who are you you know I don't yeah. know you there's the yeah. fear there's a fear and it was really funny, well, not funny, ha-ha, but I went to um, the Killer Next Door show last night. Don't ask why, but I just did. Um, and Emma Kenny, the psych psychologist um, who, whose tour it is, she showed us <clears throat> three people, different people, walking just down a corridor. And she said, what, who, the person walking down the corridor at three, as a um, person that potentially is a perpetrator, which of the three do you think they would go after? Who would they feel is more vulnerable? And of course, um, some people said one, some said two, some said three. I was the person who said three. And, and she, got, she said, well, you're a psychopath then because you've just detected the person that you would um, select as your victim. But she said, no, but that is what happens. A perpetrator, a, um, you know, potential perpetrator will look at people and they will look for the vulnerable and they will look for the ones that don't really own their space because they're easier prey. Um, yeah. So it's really, really um, eye-opening to know how you hold yourself in the space outside and how you can better protect yourself. Yeah. You know, it's never your fault, but it's it's how to better protect yourself at all, you know, occasions as much as possible. And it's having that awareness. Excuse me, I'm going to cough. <clears throat> because it's also that awareness. If you've been brought up in an abusive yeah. environment, how do you know what's not abusive? Because yeah. you may be scared in that type of relationship 
but you know it. And unknowingly, you attract this. Now, I used to get really angry with this. Yeah. But I understand it now. So if you're listening to this and you're finding that it's it's bringing up some feelings of anger, then I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say good because that's a positive. Because if it's irking you, there's something in you that wants to challenge it. Fantastic. And that sounds really weird. But this is where sometimes it's good to actually change that feeling of fear because we feel it in the stomach and when there's going to be something like if we've got to do something that's scary so what's scary for you Chris if I was to ask you to do something what would be scary for you jumping off of something or jumping out of something and not knowing that the safety equipment is safe yes it's out of my control yeah, I'm absolutely with you there because I can feel it in my stomach right now. But so we get that feeling of fear in our stomach and it's, let's be honest, it's horrible. It, it's heavy. It's horrible. It can make you feel sick. I can't watch a horror movie because it will make me feel physically sick with the fear that it brings up in me. Jelly legs. Yes, absolutely. And yet there's also that feeling of excitement which isn't too dissimilar to fear. It's yeah. still butterflies, but it's not as heavy if yeah. we're looking for a descriptive world. Yeah. So I can say the idea of jumping out of an aeroplane absolutely scares me and I can feel that fear and I can see it in others when they're doing it. But as soon as they're out and they have no control, the exhilaration they feel is amazing and yet it's... A similar feeling but slightly different now I'm not saying I'm about to jump out of an airplane thank you very much but when we come back and bring it back to recovery it's very much the same because if we're finding that we want to change how we live in our life okay and when I say live in our life we're, we're talking about we want to live a life out of choice we want to live a life with boundaries with respect with trust, with honesty, we really be, need to be able to also acknowledge the fear and be aware that we can actually become addicted to being in fear. Please so, explain. <laughs> yeah, that's why I go quiet, just to yeah. let people like absorb that. Because... If it's something that we know and it's comfortable, sometimes don't we want it all the more? So you're asking me now to do something that is scary to me. I'm already in fear. I know that. You're asking me to look back. That's going to perpetuate my fear even more. I'm going to stay where I am. And actually, to recover, it's not about... Um, staying in fear is about being able to turn back look over your shoulder is the way I like to describe it and revisit as we've spoken before different actions and what we need to change and that's not said in a light-hearted way that's said to be done with professionals such as you know in workshops or one-to-one work and then be able to go forward again and step through that fear and actually see what is 
a new boundary for you. And a, a great way to start this is when I think back, I used to have a real fear, and I'm not saying I skip into them, of lifts. So then I started to think about what is it you're frightened about lift because I'm out of control, etc. So then by going in the lift, I could feel the fear, I could get off of it. But the more I did it, the more the fear would subside. And now yeah. I don't even consider getting in lift. I'm always aware, but I'm not stuck in that fear because I've done it all the more. For me, the way that I've explained it to people in the past is <clears throat> they feel stuck and they don't want to be stuck. So something does have to change, but they're too scared, too fearful of moving forward. So it's like, okay, find out about what it is you want. What are the steps that you need to take? What resources have you got? What resources do you need? What resources can you gather around you? So the more you get into even thinking about preparing and planning to move towards what it is you're fearful of, it almost breaks down those steps of that fear. So it's almost like you've got then one foot in where you are, but then you're slowly dipping your toe over here into what you deem fearful. And before you know it, because you've planned, because you've prepped, because you know about your resources, you know, you know what you can do, what you may need to fall back on, what support you might need, et cetera, et cetera. All of a sudden, before you know it, you've got not only one toe, you've got two toes, three toes over here, then a whole foot, then a whole leg. And before you know it, you've you've moved your whole body from here over to there. And it's a process and it takes time. And this is why we say, don't we, all of the time, little steps. Absolutely. Because for me, sometimes, and I'll be completely honest, especially in you know, beginning of the recovery, for me, being able to walk forward and looking at this different life I want wanted was so huge. Yeah. So huge that it became overwhelming. Yeah. And I don't know it. Yeah. I don't know. I know what I want. I know that I don't like this, but I don't actually know what anything else looks like. Yeah. And so for me, there's a certain amount, a bit like how I learned to ski, and I never thought I'd learn to ski. I learned to ski not by seeing how far I was going to ski down, because that scared the life out of me. I learned to ski better by not being able to ski down. So when there was a whiteout, when most people go home, <laughs> I couldn't see where I was going but I for me that that was safer don't ask me why <laughs> I'm not but, gonna ask you why I couldn't think of anything worse <laughs> but can you see how we're all different so yeah for me it meant that yeah. I didn't see that crikey I'm gonna go from here yeah all the way there that to me was scary whereas yeah. now for me I've learned that's why I like a challenge. It's like, here, I've got a challenge. Okay, I can see the end. I now challenge myself to get myself out of my comfort zone. And hence why, for instance, I'm doing this water challenge. Yeah. So we're recording this in the month of March. And I've since found out it's one of the coldest months in, <laughs> in the year um, for the sea. And I'm choosing to do it in, you can do it in the sea, wild water, or the swimming pool. 
both swimming pool and being in the sea hold a sense of fear for me and I know exactly where they come from yeah okay so I've been challenging myself and doing it and even on the days that I've thought oh I don't really want to do this yes you do because I can see my end goal yeah yeah whereas at one time that end goal would be too big yeah I hope that's given more of an example of about how my brain works because we all have different brains and even our listeners listening to us yeah will, ha- yeah. will have a different way of thinking about it 100 percent. but it's just like I think the first bit of work is to either set yourself a little challenge like you've done like going into cold water for for a period of time to raise money so you've got a purpose there haven't you um that's why you're doing it um to conquer your own fears but also raise some money so there's a little bit of commitment there a little bit of a purpose a little bit of a drive and for me um for example what was that what word was that um for me for example um I used to be a complete introvert because of what I went through as a child um and now I wouldn't say I'm an extrovert but I definitely love public speaking even though I'd get those nerves as long as I've prepared myself with all of the work that I need to do beforehand I absolutely relish the challenge of getting up and speaking in front of people but if you'd said that to me when I was a young child there would absolutely been no way but again it's been a gradual process and the purpose the big reason why I like to do it is because it's the communication it's the awareness raising and and it's the change making it's important for me and in order for me to do that I need to be able to publicly speak. Um, So whatever it is, we're not saying you're going to go from A to Z straight away. You often don't because of that fear factor, because of the way that the brain works, the alarm system goes off, the way that the body, uh, the brain and the body wants to keep you safe. So it's almost like you have to make those small steps with the brain and the body know that is going to be safe for them to move at the pace that you need to go at. And for some people, it's going to be massive leaps and bounds. And for others, it's going to be five steps forwards, 10 steps back, five, you know. But as long as it's the progress, it's the persistent and consistent action that's going to get you from A to Z. And another way I like to put it is befriending the fear. But befriending the fear in the way that, okay, I feel fearful. What is it my body is fearful of? Okay, for me at the moment, I'm fearful because I'm going into the sea. I I didn't learn to swim until I was 10 and I could only talk about it. What if I get out of my depth? Okay, so who's asking you to get out of your depth? What is it you need to do? I need to make sure that I'm in water that that I can stand up in. Okay. Also, I need to know that there's somebody either with me or on the land that can. So it's asking yourself in whatever situation it is, what is it? Acknowledge the fear, befriend it. What is it you need? If you're in a relationship and it's toxic and you don't want to be in it. okay? what is it I need to leave it? Because there are going to be some emotional things and there are going to be some practical things. Yeah. And sometimes you don't actually know how you're going to do it. But once you start making 
those steps. Okay, it may be that um, at the moment I don't actually work. So would it be that I look for a part-time job? Yeah. It, you know, that's a thought, especially if you've got young children and you're in a relationship and it's challenging. Um, who do I have as a support system? Do I have any friends? Do I need yeah. any professional help? So it's the little steps and making yeah. sure, because once we're aware of the fear and we befriend it, then we can think, what else can we put in place? Because, and we spoke about this before we started recording, there is the other end. You can actually go the other way, whereas actually you seek fear as in a thrill seeker. Mm. Mm. But when you I think of the adrenaline, yeah. yeah, an adrenaline rush, and sometimes it becomes self-harm when anything is too much, because if you're doing it to the possible detriment of yourself and your safety, yeah. That thrill becomes in danger, you know, it can endanger your life. Yeah. And what it's doing there, it's actually, if you do have a severe accident or you are severely unsafe, it's reinforcing that initial message you have a fear. Mm. So it's really interesting to be aware of the balance. Always comes back to balance, doesn't it? Always. Um, this is interesting, picking up on your last point. I've been speaking to someone recently who knows someone, someone. This particular person did alcohol, did drugs, all to suppress feelings, wants or needs to come off the alcohol, come off the drugs, but is now feeling can't deal with the feeling, needs that rush of or the response that the alcohol and the drugs was given them, the high. So decides to go out and be violent against someone else and turns around and says, I feel better now, I feel alive. Yeah, so there you go. That. Yeah. That is replicated in a lot of households and in a lot of relationships that are toxic and abusive. Um, and yeah, it's quite shocking, isn't it? But that it is. is what they said. And the anger is often, and we see that demonstrated often, is a mask for fear. And we're talking about, you know, we're talking about standing up, you know, and you've actually brought up a valid point and we, we've got to mention that one. You know, the person that is able to stand in their space who, you know, come at me and they roar at you. But actually that's a defence. Yeah. Their fear is so much. It's like they are on fight all the time. Yeah. And, the, yeah. and you know, think of that saying, the best defence is attack. So that's where anger comes from sometimes. So the person that is less fearful is able to stand still and stand in there in the moment and receive, defend themselves, but not necessarily attack for no reason. So that's another element of fear is anger. And we can bring this back to children as well, can't we? Um, 
when they've seen, witnessed or endured abuse, that their way of protecting themselves could be insular like me, where I went within myself and I didn't speak to anybody, or it could be they come out fighting, literally, um, and then they're judged as the naughty child or the, the child that's always the bully, for example. Mm. Um, but as you said, that is a form of defense. That is a form of like protection, um, acting out of fear. So we almost need to relook at children and their behavior and actually find out what's driving it rather than just labeling them this, that, or the other what is going on for you what has happened to you to make you like this and it's always fear of the consequences and if you think of what's been happening post-pandemic um or post-lockdown i should say post-lockdown um look at the fear responses that's coming out now that is becoming more and more evident in schools with young children and adults yeah yeah, they were, I, I was listening to the radio this morning, actually, just whilst I was driving my car to, to one of my venues, and they were actually saying that um, the, uh, the fear within society is at a level where it's causing more people to be anxious, depressed, or fighting. There's a lot yeah. of aggression out there, and there's not a lot of patience, and, and people are losing their temper a lot more quickly and as we know Bev that child abuse and domestic violence has risen during the pandemic during the lockdowns and is still at a high um higher than what it was pre-pandemic anyway um and then we've just got that general level of fear amongst the community because no one really knows what the future holds for for us do we because it's all it's all up in the air and sometimes we'll never know and we we didn't know before so some things don't change but it's our perception it's our perception of how we deal with it I'm very yeah. aware of the time because as always <laughs> as always we like to get things covered from all different angles so if anybody's listening and you've got any questions please contact us you know if you're um would like to email breaking the cycle two step forward at gmail.com you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, or make a comment through the platform that you're listening, whether it be a podcast or if you're watching the video. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, we'd love to hear from people, wouldn't we? Yeah, and then also it, it means if you've got a question, we'll answer it in a podcast as well and we'll let you know. So, Chris, last thoughts before we go on fear. <laughs> The good old saying, feel the fear and do it anyway, because fear will paralyze you in not doing it and then you might have regrets. Whereas at least if you do it and it doesn't pan out, it doesn't matter, does it? You can try it, try something else. So that's my thoughts. What about you? Fear for me comes down to judgment, but we're not going there anymore because what if I make a mistake? Oh, and you know what? What if you do? You've learned something about yourself to enable you to move forward. Exactly. Not do it again or 
if it came with uh, some kind of success, repeat your mistake. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we learn, don't we? We learn and we grow. Absolutely. So thank you very much, everyone joining us. And we'll see you in another episode. We will. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.